This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Kelsey gets there, another good kick from him, and here's Houghton now. Houghton going past one man, finding Wagstaff, Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Hello everyone and welcome to um, the latest episode of the Two Hull and Back podcast. Uh, we are obviously sponsored by Six Yards Out, uh, your home for customizable retro items. You can basically put any kit design on um, any household item, mugs, coasters, phone cases, cushion covers, the works. Uh, they've got a 5.2, uh, 4.2 rating out of 5, sorry, for uh, Trustpilot, so you know you're getting good quality there. Uh, just head to their website, it will be on our link tree, but it is just sixyardsout.com if you want to head over just straight away. And obviously, we are also sponsored by Pearson's Bar, the place to be for your pre- and post-match uh, beers. And I think before we get into it as well, obviously, to anyone that's voted for us on the FCAs, I did put a video out the other day to say thank you. But I will say it again at the beginning of this episode, anyone who is voting, uh, do give it a share. Do give us a vote if you can do. Uh, we're aiming at the top 10. I think the voting, the finalists are announced on the 19th of September. So um, hopefully we make that bill and, and we can start voting again at that point. So... Cheers to everybody that's voting. Um, we've got Tom on with us as his first debut as a fully-fledged member of the team. How are you today, Tom? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. I'm happy to be joining the team, so what, what about you? Yeah, I'm all right today. I've had a day off work, so I'm, I'm feeling a bit more relaxed. And uh, our ever-present Will, who brings us so much joy and happiness in episodes and no No one's ever said that in their lives. <laughs> uh, but it's nice to have... Uh, no Nathaniel today, which is a good episode because we've got a couple of um, um, players returning oh, from injury and I think uh... he'd be a bit unbearable, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll move on then. Obviously, the West Brom game, um, unfortunately, uh, the, the unbeaten run ending um, in quite um, emphatic fashion. But um, I'll come to you first, Tom, because you said you was there. Obviously, it was a 5-2 defeat, but it wasn't really a fair reflection of the game. Would you agree with that? Um, I'd say so, yeah. The West Brom were clinical when they had the chances. Um, you know, so obviously once they got four goals ahead, that was it. So obviously crumbled. So, I mean, it was one of them games where the, the injuries are going to take its toll eventually. And I thought first 20 minutes we matched them. And then obviously as soon as, you know, two fan goes down, 
that's it, right? Obviously, Woods comes on and he's not the same player. He's, he's different to what Tufan is. He's the link between midfield and forward, where I'd say Woods is more, he's similar to the model of Slater, breaks up play. You know, he's, he can carry the ball forward, but he's not got the, like, he's not someone that's going to run him behind like Tufan does. You know, that's what obviously he did against Burnley, but it was disappointing to lose Tufan because he's obviously our one of my most important players and that's what killed the game, really. So, yeah. Because I think, from what I saw of the game, because I, I was sort of in and out of it on iFollow while I was at work, but um, it was more of a, even though we lost 5-2, I still feel like there was a positive feeling around the club because we, we we deserved to score at least a couple more anyway. And a few of their goals were quite dodgy or long ranges that you couldn't really do much yeah. about. And um, But the fact that we managed to even muster up two goals, considering you know the, the, the facts, like you say, we went 4-0 down, that... I think last season, if that happens, we're dead and buried and probably lose five six nil. But Swigan. Oh, yeah. Obviously five two is, is is still it's still not an ideal result. But we've we scored a couple of goals and ended up with the top scorer and joint top assister in the league. And it and it showed that they carried on playing despite, you know, the the, the big scoreline difference. And I, I think that's that's a bit more of a difference in this team. It looks like he's got a bit of character. We look like we've got somebody who can even, you know, given the circumstances of the game, can even try and affect the game positively or change it in a way. Um, would you agree with that statement, Will, or am I stretching? No, I'd agree with that. I think it was that was the thing that felt different from previously. Even when they was losing comfortably, they still never put their heads down like they would have done previously and sort of got off. They kept trying to attack full pelt whenever they got the chance. Obviously, losing two fan, like was said by... Tom was just it because before Tufan went off, I thought we were maybe just just marginally the better side. But the moment he went off, the attacking. I mean, I, the thing is, Ryan Woods when he came, I thought he had a good game. I thought he looked mm-hmm. decent. He played some decent passes for those. There was one particular pass when um, Oscar was strike was saved onto the bar. It was a really nice pass through in particular. But it's not the same player. He's he's not there for the same reasons. Um, but, I thought our play, despite it's weird because it didn't feel like a five-two in the slightest. I think West Brom deserved to win. I think we deserved to lose probably overall, but it didn't feel like a comprehensive beating that the scoreline suggested in any way. Yeah, it's, it was a frustrating game, really, because like you say, we hit in the crossbar twice. Um, their penalty was, when I look back at it, it's a bit soft, but. You know, you see him given it's it's Carl's corner kind of left a foot in a uh, couple of long ranges. Uh, could could we maybe ask questions about the defence? Maybe Matt Ingram doing better on a couple of them goals, maybe closing down the long shots a bit quicker. Um, I, I think he was maybe unsighted for the first one. But, uh, you know, if, if 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 they've got players like John Swift in the team that that can do them kind of shots and, and, and offer that sort of danger, do you think maybe we need to be... I know we like to sit deep at the minute in our in, in our current system, but do we need to be trying to close these down on the edge of the box a bit more or is it just a case of this was just a, a bad luck day um, and just, yeah. I think the first half an hour, I think the first half an hour, it looks like, to me, two sides that are going to be up there this season. The, the quality of the football was good. Mm. I felt like both teams got the ball down, sprayed it about and, and you know, obviously two fans going off, you know, changed the pattern of the game. But, um Obviously, going to Oscar now, uh, that will use obviously the main positive to come out of that game. He's two, two well taken goals. I mean, the first one is in the box. Tete obviously does well on the 
uh, against West Dan off Erlong beats him and then manages to put a ball in the box. And obviously, Esther Dinan's there um, to put it in. And then the second goal shrugs off Ajayi with, with ease and then, you know, places it nice into the corner. And obviously, we looked at his goal record from the Portuguese League 18 goals last season. And 15 goals was in 28 games. And that's an impressive record. Usually, you look at a player's record from another league, maybe from the maybe the Dutch league and you think oh, he's going to come to England and struggle but Oscar's hit the ground running and that's what you like to see I mean it shows the Portuguese leagues that you know had some talent in the past in terms of the you know if someone usually scores goals in that league they're usually a decent player it's quite a high standard league so it's good that we've managed to get him on a free transfer um, Yeah. what I want to say defensively as well is that I thought um, the full-backs were at fault for a couple of the goals I think in terms of it's a mixture between the full-backs and our wingers not tracking back there was times in the game where Coyle was isolated in the 2v1 situation and Williams won't get him back, whereas if Ali was there, you know, there's a marginal difference. You know, you, Ali gets back and maybe helps Coyle out a bit more. Um, there's obviously one of the goal where Coyle's tucked in and then doesn't get out quick enough and they score from it. But mm. th- these are sort of like the differences between us and West Brom. You know, at that point, West Brom had the quality to bring off the bench, change it and, you know, change the, the you know the style and um, go forward. Whereas right now, until we get the likes of Pelkas, Cynic, and we don't have that difference, difference make off the bench. And I think that's why there was a big margin in the scoreline, necessarily, you know, because they've got the, the players there that can change a game, whereas, you know, we're waiting for that, essentially. That's yeah. it. It was essentially a game too far for the squad at the moment yeah. with what we've got, essentially. And having this full week off with no cup, looking back, going out to Bradford became an even better thing in the end because um, we managed to have a week off this week and some players have been able to sort of catch up and get some players back. Um, I wanted to talk about both the uh, wing-backs, to be fair. So, obviously, uh, Louis Coyle came in for quite a bit of criticism from um, quite a few fans. Um, I don't personally think he had necessarily a bad game. Like like Tom said, I think sometimes when you're playing in this, this kind of system we've got, and one of the biggest criticisms we used to have um, under McCann's system was the wingers never really used to track back and, and support the full-back. We got away with it in League One because of the, you know, the 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 lower level of quality that we were facing. But it, when you're coming up against ex Premier League players and, and and teams with big wage budgets like West Brom, um, who can really cause you some damage, you can't be leaving your fullback um, isolated like that because they are going to get pulled out of position and left in in uh, very precarious areas, leaving you know big gaps on the edge. I, I'm, I thought I'll ask you, Will, do, do you think Louis Coyle? I mean, obviously, there's rumours of Cyrus Christie coming in, um, Lavinier, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Tottenham as well. There was Jeremy and Gak here at one point for the for the right-back situation. Do you, do you think Louis Coyle's going to be a... The, say, if we brought any of these players in, do you think he's going to be the one who's who's staying in, in, in the team? I, I would give him, I'd, I'd assume so, given the captaincy. Or do you think maybe we're trying to find somebody more suited for a balanced wing-back role? I think initially, whoever comes in is going to be on the bench. And then depends on how Coyle continues from there. Um, but like like Tom said, it, I think in, the thing is when you're a fullback, you also do need help from who's in front of you as well. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really have any support whatsoever that helped him. So a lot of the times he was in situations where he had two, uh, he had to defend two people, but he obviously can he can only pick one. So he was as a result a lot of the times he would cut inside more and defend the one, leaving the one out wide. Open, but it would have been the same way around if he'd gone out wide. There would have been a big gap with someone between the centre back and the full back. So he didn't really have an, he couldn't really win in that regard. But 
I think whoever comes in, I think if this Cyrus, Cyrus Christie does happen, I think he'll he'll probably be if he's here in time on the bench for Coventry. Um, I think he'll be. I think he'll stick with Cole as his captain um, until something happens. I think, I suppose, or maybe a run of form suggests he shouldn't be in the squad. Um, I think that's the reason why Reeves is the vice captain. You know, I do as well. there's going to be a situation where Coyle is is dropped, not because of his performances, but because we've got a big, you know, there's going to be a big fixture schedule coming up. You know, we're going to, yeah. you know, tight fixture schedule, so we're going to have to rotate our team, and ultimately that's why we're going to have two players in each position to, to sort of fight for that spot. And the thing is with Cyrus Christie, I think it looks like it's he's the one that's coming in, as reported on Twitter. Um, I think what he brings that Coyle doesn't is that attacking threat. Um, yeah. Saw him last season with Swansea, he scored a couple of goals. Um, I think well, Nathaniel on Twitter, he's, he's made that compilation already, you know, the, the goal compilation. But um, you know, that's what he sort of brings, that attacking threat, that pace. And that's it, yeah. what's been said about Cyrus Christie compared to Coyle is that, that he can get back, perhaps, if he's got a bit more pace. So, like, in these situations, like we faced against West Brom, where the winger was sort of sort of breezing past, well not breezing past, but sort of getting past him and getting balls into the box, perhaps Cyrus Christie could have stopped that. Um, you know, he comes with a sort of track record where he's he's played for Fulham, I think, in four seasons. I think he only played like 50-odd games. So I think we can't expect him to come in and start every week. He's, you know, he's, he has his troubles, but I think at 29, vastly experienced in the Championship, being promoted twice with Fulham, is exactly what we need in that position. And he'll he'll offer Coyle some great competition, and I think you know that's um, what we've been crying out for, really. You know, sort of that competition for him, so he doesn't sort of uh, take his foot off the gas, thinking you know I'm, I'm in here every week because there's no one else. Now Cyrus Christie's come in. Not only will it strengthen the quality of the squad, but it'll also strengthen the players around him because you know his experience. Uh, that's what that's what we ultimately need in defence. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I because I, the thing is with Callum Elder as well. Um, I wanted to ask you both about him because the the general assumption, obviously, is that Brandon Fleming will be the first choice left back this season. But um, I think Callum Elder's start this season has been quite good, and I think he had quite a good game at Westbrook. I think we saw a side to Callum Elder's game that we've not seen in since League One, where he was, um, you know, really pushing himself to be in those attacking positions, like like we've just like you've just described Christie, where it can be, you know, offensively more of a threat offer more, you know, goal threat, um, trying to put the ball in the box for people. That 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 pass where he got through on goal and it was unlucky, you know, the save onto the bar. We we hadn't seen that from Elder in a while. And do we think he's maybe staking his claim for that first team spot at the minute? I think he's played himself into that situation. I think this season it was written, it was written off. Um and he's come back and he's put in some solid performances to be fair. So we know going forward that Callum Elder's not a quality player at this level that you you know he can He's going to challenge towards the top end of the championship, but he's an honest player. Um, I think he's shown the side to his game, the unseen, like you said there. I think there's been situations this season when um, sort of his uh, pacey wingers been coming at him and he's managed to you know block the cross. He's you know he's, he's put in some solid defensive performances, and that's what you want. I think when you play a fought, we mentioned it before. I think that when you play a fought at the back, Callum Elder is is what you, who you want to play. Whereas at a five at the back, I think Fleming going forward is better in terms of putting crosses into the box and you know, he's more of the attacking fullback. And that's why it's good now if Cyrus Christie did come, does come in. He offers that sort of versatility where like you wouldn't want Kyle mm-hmm. playing in a wing-back formation. You'd rather have Cyrus Christie because what he brings oh, yeah. going forward and the pace up and down. Because 
the thing is with a wing back formation, you get less, less protection from the people ahead of you. So I think you need someone that can defend um, two men at once in that situation. So I think you know what we're doing is is good because we've got two different types of fullbacks on both sides. Yeah, I think it's it's testament to the recruitment. I think a lot of people from the outside, especially if they're not all City fans, could could probably look at all the players that were signing and go, I've never even heard of half of them or they've never played in the championship, whatever. But um look at um Estepinion and um Tete, for example. Yeah. They've they've sort of just straight away acclimatized to this league. It's Estepinion is very physical, he's a he's a thorn in the defender's side, he's constantly working, constantly running in behind, constantly asking questions. Tete, who's playing on, on the wing at the minute. He's being physical. He's holding his back up to the to, yeah. uh, to the defenders. He's, he's bringing players into the game. Something that we needed from Eves last season that he he did occasionally, but we didn't get in a consistent form. Tete is current uh, is currently doing, but is like a wide target forward kind of thing. Yeah. And then you've got your like Satoufan, you've got Siri, you've got Figueredo, you've got a bit of championship experience in there. Woods now, um, Christie if he comes in. Baxter I think as well. we've recruited. Yeah. yeah, Baxter as well. We, we've recruited in a sense that. We've 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 realised that the, the squad the last few years has been very thin. We've had like a solid starting eleven, couple of options from the bench, but then mostly academy backup. And now we're trying to build an actual squad so that if we have to change system, we have to change formation, we have to be more offensive, more defensive. We've got those options, and they seem to all be. I know we haven't seen half of them play because of injuries, but at, at the moment it's looking very good. I would say we're recruiting like a team that's just had its owners changed to someone who actually gives a shit about football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly not. You wouldn't be going on the Allens. You wouldn't be going for Cyrus Christie. It's the sort of signing that yeah. you know you, you make if you are going to push towards the playoffs. I mean, um, saw on Twitter that Cyrus Christie's last two clubs have finished fifteenth, finished fifteenth and seventeenth in the league. But I think that's not a reflection of him as a player. I think he can come into this squad. He's still, you know, in the twilight years of his career, twenty nine, thirty. I think he's still got a lot more to give at this level, from what I've seen. Um, so I think you know that's that's a great signing. I'd say. And it's one that you you wouldn't expect the club to make, you know, before. So it's like shows the change in recruitment style, and I think it shows that not only can we shop abroad, like you've said there with Oscar and you know Tete, but we can also shop for the best players at this level. Um, and I think you know this season, if we don't go up this season, we've got a good chance in the following season. I think if we keep the squad together, yeah. Mm. I think, um, obviously, we've mentioned about Tufan going off injured and he's going to be a huge miss because of how influential he's been in the middle of the park since uh, the beginning of the season and how much offensive threat we seem to have with him in the team. And we don't really seem to have that similar mould to replace him at the minute because of, obviously, the 12, 13 injuries that we've got. 14 now, I think, <laughs> now that we've signed um, the Salah um, that's injured. Um, but Ryan Woods obviously came on for his debut. And as, as you both mentioned already, his, his debut was fairly solid. Um, he's he's not really pulled much, many trees up since he was at Brentford. But do we maybe think like he's looked at what's going on here, seen this as an opportunity to reinvent himself and sort of prove what he can do? Because I think when he was on against West Brom from the snippets I saw coming on, because it's a, he essentially got chucked in the deep end, didn't he? Two yeah. fans went off injured early, and it's like, AI is your debut, get on. And yeah. he, he had to try he, and make probably, a difference. He, did very he well. probably made his debut, but it wasn't going to be in the first half. Yeah, so he's got his debut a lot sooner than than, than probably expected. But um, did you like what you saw from him so far then, Will? Do you think he's looking like a, 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 yeah. a worthy addition? Well, yeah, I think he's looking like a, a good solid addition to the team. Like I, said, like I said before, I think his passing was decent. He moved around. His work rate was pretty good. He's essentially, I think he's essentially, repla- it's weird saying this, I think he's replacing what 
Honeyman would have been in this team if we'd kept him, essentially. Sort of the backup mm. midfielder um, who will come on after probably an hour or so to replace like Tufan or Seri and sort of shore up the midfield and sort of, while the teams are tired, try and press on them a bit more. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, they've wanted a player that's solid, dependable. Um, probably not going to massively make a difference, like kind of what two fan would do, but a player that you know what you get from him and you know what he's going to offer us in the games that he plays, and he, he he's worthy backup rather than you know relying on somebody like, for example, an Andy Cannon, who who perhaps maybe is at a level higher than maybe he should be at, but. He's going to have both the application and that sort of quality technique to to actually compete in this midfield and 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 be a worthy rotation option for the likes of Slater, for the likes of Seri that you know we're going to have to inevitably have when we get more injuries as the season goes along. Um, hopefully, not many more. Um, but yeah, so five-two defeat, unbeaten run, but uh, ended. But we're sat in sixth after you know. The run of fixtures that we've had, uh, I don't think many City fans would have predicted that. No, I certainly yeah. wouldn't have done. I think most fans going into Norwich, Burnley, West Brom would have taken four points. Yeah, hmm. I certainly would have done, yeah. Four yeah, points, definitely. that's good. Um, what I want to say, a question I want to ask is, um, you know, obviously we've got all these injuries at the minute. Um, hmm. There's going to be a healthy competition once they all come back. And obviously we know how well how good of a quality player Serie is. You know, we saw it in the first game. Um, and then Alfie Jones came into proceedings and he's he's done well. But in terms of that midfield, there's so many options there. Like, who would you start? Who's, if everyone's fully fit, what's your midfield three? I think I've I've spoken about this. It's hard to decide because, to me, it depends on what game, you, you, mm. what team you're coming yeah. against. I mean, I'd like Alfie Jones in there with Slater and Tufan, but then Seri misses out. Um, and then you'd also like Seri playing next to Slater and having Tufan. Or even, but then you don't want to drop Slater for... You know, Seri and having Jones, uh, Seri and two fans. It's like I think two fans, hundred percent in there for me when he's fully fit because of what he brings. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's that them other two spots. I think Seri's given the quality player he is. I think two fans and Seri are guarantees. It's between Jones and Slater in Shotter's mind. I have no clue who yeah. I'd pick. The only thing I, have I like no clue is, I'd pick. the only thing reason I like Jones more. Not not necessarily more than Slater, but I like him in there is because the, the sort of physical presence and stuff. Um, I did cry out for us to sign a holding midfield, but I think with the options we've got now, even Ryan Woods, he can play in that position. I don't think it's a position where we need to improve, whereas obviously right back that we're going for now is a position we need to improve more. Um, but I think it's, it's something worth thinking about. Like I think it's good to have this sort of dilemma when, as a manager, like you've got all these players to choose from, but it's like um, picking your best three can sometimes be the hardest like, part. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, no, it is a tough question. I think, and it and it shows you how far we've come this season. Because if you think back to the last two or three years, the yeah. starting eleven was pretty much guaranteed if they were all fit. Um, whereas this season, I think they've, and, and obviously we're not at the same level as Man City. But if you use Man City, Liverpool, and clubs like that as an example, if you're going to be successful over the course of a season, you don't necessarily have a start a, a strongest eleven. You just kind of you, you tinker like like you just mentioned as as the game needs kind of thing. So away from yeah. home against maybe, um, you know, a Burnley, for example, I know we've already done that, but hypothetically, if we were to play Burnley away from home, you would probably more likely play Alfie Jones as a holding midfielder to be a bit more defensive um, than maybe a more offensive player because at home you can afford to maybe have a more offensive midfield. And, and it's just all about those rotation options because to me, you've got to have, like we say, at least two two players for each position 
that are just as good as each other and, and can be just as impactful. So having those options, having this squad that we've got, despite all the injuries that we've got at the minute, is 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 so promising because if, if we're in the position we're in now and we've still got so many more players to add into the mix, um it 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 just gives you so much optimism. It's like for me, we lost five two to West Brom and, and normally I'm I'm all doom and gloom, but I was like I'm not yeah. bothered. I'm not, I'm really not bothered. Because I, I I've seen enough from us to know that in the coming games we'll have enough about us and we'll be fine and we'll be I imagine in at least a top ten team this season to me. Yeah. Um very very early. Very early to be saying, obviously, because we could lose the next six, but um at the moment, at the moment it's looking good. Um uh, I don't think there's much more to add to the West Brom game other than obviously the the, the the goals that went in. I don't think there's much argument on the penalty. Do you would you both would you both a bit disappointed with the pen? Do you think it was I didn't was I haven't looked back to be fair. I haven't looked back. It was but. soft, but I'd have been Upset. Yeah. I'd have expected it to be given against us, so I'd have been like, "Yeah." I think a lot. I mean, the elder own goal was just very unlucky. You couldn't do anything about that. Could do about that. Uh, the swift goal, I think Ingram's unsighted because of the players that are in front of him. Um, the fair long defending goal could be defending could be better on the swift goal, but the fair long goal no could do nothing about that. No, I mean you could try and close him down quicker, but because um, I think there were two players that. that Decided to try and close. That's what we want from Christie, I think, innit? That's what we want from Christie. I've seen yeah, him yeah. one or two of them, but um, the the penalty, uh, the 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 fifth goal, sorry, the Daroche. I, I was quite disappointed because I, I rewatched the the highlights this morning just to double check if I could um, have any criticism on it. And I think, but because he was he was marked by both Greaves and Figueredo, and the, all three of them sort of just were kind of crouched down at like sort of mid level, and it sort of hit. O'Shea and went in, so it was another goal where it's just messy, sort of unorganized. Would you say our set pieces of defending has improved because that was last season and seasons gone by, even in League One season. I think we conceded like ten goals from set pieces. Do you think that's still an area that we need to improve on? I think there's always room for improvement. I think yeah, there's always it's, still, it's an area where like it. you know it's we we, yeah. we it was an area we struggled with, but we've added height and physical physicality to the team in terms of Teta. You know you've got. Figueredo in there now, Jones, Greaves. So I think we've got the height to deal with this sort of. Yeah. Where last season you'd, you'd have Doherty in there, you'd had Slater, you've, you've got these smaller players, but now we've got that physical presence more. I I've, think last I think season I we trust, got, bullied, got bullied. I trust this season. side to defend set pieces more than I did last season. Yeah, so got when they're like, yeah, when they're lining up for a corner or a free kick now, I've got more confidence that we're going to clear it than I did last season. Um, whether or not that's been from the tactical setup or just because the personnel we've got. But I just think that we, we've we've been okay defending them so far. Um, like I said, maybe that West Brom fifth goal was a bit poor. Um, two centre halves should really have probably dealt with that. Um, but it it's looking like you know when they get them partnerships sorted properly and we we, we get a consistent eleven who understand each other and whatnot, it'll it'll get better and hopefully we don't see yeah. a, a Malik Wilkes marking um, you know centre backs sort of yeah. situation. I mean, obviously we're not going to see Wilkes this season, but um, you know. I think to me, I, I don't know what kind of uh, detail managers, some will go into more detail defending set pieces than others. I personally would be identifying you're marking him, you're marking him. Yeah, that's depending what I on, yeah you know, I'm marking over Zernal, definitely. Yeah, I don't. Silver used to do Zernal, didn't he? He used to drive me insane, but um, I was never a fan of Zernal. I think it's strange. Space doesn't score goals, players do. But anyway, um, so. 
we've got a couple of transfer news. Um, we've got obviously the departure of um, Malik Wilkes. There will be no more Wilkes rants on the podcast from after this episode unless he comes back to haunt us in the cup. Guaranteed to start um, in the cup. A, a move that that obviously suited all parties. Do we, do we do we all agree, or is there a bit of yes? I wish he did. No. What's your thoughts on Wilkes leaving, Tom? It's the right time. Um, we've seen him, we've discussed him before. I think in terms of his attitude, you know, he's not a player you want in around the squad. I think he thinks he's better than what he is. Um, and last season, he didn't tear up any trees. And now, um, the quality we've got coming in, Cynic, you've got Alia, Teta. There's just no players from the squad. I think League One is his level. That's been identified. I did comment on that when he did first come into the squad, the second half of that championship season, he impressed me. Um, one of the bright, bright sparks of that season and then did obviously really well in League One, but he's never pushed on from that. Um, and it's a shame, but ultimately I think it's the right time to let him go. Um, you've got to get this sort of dead weight off the squad, this dead wood, if you want to sort of push towards promotion. And I think it was the right decision to make. Mm. Do you think yeah. maybe it's a case of, do you think, Will, if last season Wilkes would have been fit for, for let's say, you know, 35 plus games that perhaps he would have found some form and been in the mix this season and maybe the injuries last season curtailed him to the point where he, he got out of the team and couldn't get back in and now was just like, well, fair enough. I'm not... I mean, it says more about his attitude, if that's true, because he'd rather yeah. leave. Yeah, you've kind of already taken it from me there. Um, yeah. I think it's a bit of... It's hard to say because in league, at the end of that championship disaster, he was our best player by a mile. In League One, despite, I think, sometimes... His attitude being an issue in League One, he was fantastic at League One level, and obviously his top scorer, he was a superb player. Um, but even when he had those every now and then appearances in the leagues his last season, he still didn't look like he gave a shit. Mm. Which obviously then, it was the same this when he's appeared this season. I mean, yeah, it wasn't a league game, but that Bradford game, Jesus Christ, that is a person who did not want to be on the pitch at all. Yeah, it reminds me of one of my favorite friends who I play six SR with, Harvey. Real lazy. <laughs> Just don't run. <laughs> if you're watching this, Harvey. He is that. That's why I've said it. <laughs> it is a shame because he is a clearly a lot of talent in Wilkes and he could easily do it. I think at championship level, he just need, doesn't seem to apply it. Yeah. it's it's. It, I mean, I think we've all knew that he had maybe a bit more of a immature attitude about him and he's the kind of these kind of players with those attitudes will be fine so long as they're playing well and it's going their way um which we saw in league one um you know Barnsley fans would say were, were saying to us the same things we're saying to chef wednesday so they'll probably get a player who scores 15 plus goals and and tell us we're all lying and then you know the moment he, he finds himself out the team, I have, they might have the same will I have enjoyed Sheffield Wednesday fans on like Twitter and stuff saying, yeah, "Oh, we're still in your best player." Yeah. It's like you know, it's our fifth choice fucking winger. What are you on about? Yeah, the at the moment, the is. But they'll they'll be looking at it from a League One perspective. Right? The last time he was in League One, he scored twenty two goals and won the title. So, you know, if you're Chef Wednesday fans, it's it's probably a very good signing. Oh, from a League One point of view, it's a great signing. Yeah. I'm surprised Grant didn't try and take him back to Peterborough. I really am. He probably did at some point, um, but it might have been in the earlier part of the window where um, 
we maybe had a bit more of a higher price tag on him <laughs> than than we could have asked for now after seeing how he's been before, uh, been performing. Um, but no, I, I mean obviously regular viewers of the podcast on there, we've not all been his biggest fan um, on the on the majority of his whole city career. I mean. He obviously goes with the best wishes, and um, and we all thank him for the, the season in League One. Um, you, I was going to say you're saying that, but you fucking hated him. I did despise him. I didn't want to sign him <laughs> in the first place, but um, you know, it's but then again, you know, we, would we have won the title without him? So um, you know, you've got to thank him for that League One season. You yeah, have to. You've got, you've got to swallow your the pride. thing is, after that Lincoln game, obviously he scored that the winner in that game, um, and after obviously after that game, when they went back to the Cottingham training ground. Me and my me and my pals were there. Um, there was all drinking beers and that, and Wilkes just couldn't even drink a dart fruits, you know, like a fruit, fruity cider. He was like spitting no. it all on the floor, just like <laughs> trying to drink it. He, d- he didn't like it. You could tell he didn't drink, but yeah. yeah. I do I mean, wonder how much different it would have been that League One season. And I've just actually, I was about to say, but I've just seen a comment on uh, on that about, I wonder if fans have been in the grounds, if people would have liked him more because he was obviously scoring for fucking fun. Mm. Well, it's the same thing with McCann, <laughs> wasn't it? Like the fans. Well, I think it's the opposite with McCann. I think he was helped yeah. by the fact there was no fans there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. that effect, isn't it? If if he'd have been in the state, if we'd have been in the stadium, we'd probably have more affliction towards Wilkes because um, he's like we say when when you've got a player that scores loads of goals, they become they are the club hero, aren't they? That's that's what the focus is on. And it, it, I do, I just, I do think that if he'd have had um, less injuries last season and, and more more chance to try and find his groove that it might have been different because if you listen to the interviews and everything from after the league one season where he was saying you know like Hull's his new adopted city and that I'm not from uh, here I'm from all kind of thing he obviously saw his long-term future here so was a, at, at some point between his injury last season and his return when obviously Shotter was manager something changed whether or not the club told him that he was unlikely to be part of the future plans um I think it kind of contradicts what Shotter was saying, though, because he wanted him to stay, didn't he? But you do, you just don't know what happened, and and maybe Wilkes just isn't willing to fight for a place. He wants to be that I think, superstar. I think all managers want all players to stay. To be fair, I you don't always know. want a player to stay. If you've got the option to nah. see a player leave and replace them, no, I think it's more a case of you don't want a player, any player in your squad, to think that they don't want. They don't want them to think that the club's not a place that they want to be. You want them to think there's a good thing about the club. Is I think the point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying, and then obviously it will come down to that player's personality whether or not they see, they see that as, you know, if a manager sits down and works and says, "I want you to stay, but your play time, you know, going to be a bit less, and you need to fight for your place a bit more." There's two ways he can react to that. One is, "All right, fair enough, knuckle down, try and get the best version of yourself back," um, or be like, "Nah, screw this, I'd rather go somewhere else." Where the thing I'm going is. To see I think you get certain players in football that like to be the main man. I think Wilkes is that sort of guy. Definitely. In one season, he was the main man. And then we got obviously promoted. And then the likes of Ryan Longman came in, who sort of uh, took that position. And then, um, you know, sort of he'll move to Wednesday now and expect to be the main man. And if he doesn't get his way, he'll throw his toys out the pram again. And that's just the sort of player he is. You can't change that up, his attitude. But you, you can change someone's attitude. But Wilkes is someone to me that you don't think can change yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's still young, so he's got time to change it. You know, he's maybe got a bit of that naivety still in him that he needs to just kind of iron out and, and apply himself a bit more. But um, there's definitely a player in there, and he'll probably 
do very well for Wednesday this season, and and I'm no doubt they'll be telling us he's the best player that you know we shouldn't have let him go, kind of thing. But good luck to him, and he's gone. Uh, so Benedict has come on. Uh, what do you make of what happened between Wilkes and Baz, Baz, on, Baz Twitter? on Twitter? Yeah, he's gone now, but does that prove he's got a funny attitude? I mean, um, it, yeah, it's just kind of you, he didn't have to do it, did he? To me, that's my opinion on it. I'd rather not. It's weird because obviously Baz is Baz has got a job to do. He's going to report on these things. That's that's literally his, his, his livelihood. Um, and if, you know, Wilkes has said, I want to leave, and then Baz has reported it as he's asked to leave, and Wilkes has decided to look at that change of wording yeah. and say, I never asked. That, to me, is just a bit petulant. And I, I just think that that kind of, you know, he didn't need to do that. It was unnecessary. He's done that to get a reaction and probably try and um, put himself towards the Wednesday fans a bit more. Yeah, uh, what's your thoughts on that, guys? Wilkes and Baz. I think Wilkes knew what he was doing in the situation. You know, he's, he, he knew he knew, he knew yeah. he was going to. He's probably already signed for Wednesday at that point. He was just trying mm. to sort of bait people in, thinking you know, thinking it was going to stay. So he knew what he was doing. He knew that he could get a lot of reaction from it and traction. And like you said, the Wednesday fans would probably like what he was saying. Um, but that's this, this sort of a bit of humour, I guess. But I think you know, those people coming at Baz. Saying he's got it wrong and all that. I mean, he's only reported what he's seen. I think so. I don't know. It's one of them mm. situations where, like, you know, it's it's a bit petty, but you know. Yeah. So we we saw Wilkes leave, and then uh, we saw the confirmation of um, Salah, Salah. Salah Adin, whatever variation of the name you want to call him. Ulad Bihan has come from uh, Arsenal on loan with a view to buy, which. Um, is is a bit of an uh, an annoying topic for some Arsenal fans. They didn't really want him to have the chance to leave, yeah. it's a good sign, which man. I think says you know, yeah, it's definitely a good sign about a young lad that's what nineteen now. I think um, obviously got a good potential. I know Mikel Arteta was saying that he's a really good player and, and really rated him and wanted him to stay. So um, a, a, a bit of a shame that he's signed injured. Do you think the club have have we actually seen any information about what his injury is and how long he's going to be out for? I've seen nothing personally. I've seen mixed responses. Saying, uh, people saying he's not injured, people saying he is. That's another f- f- reason why people are coming at Baz because he's saying one minute oh, he's not injured, then he is. thing is sort with Baz of, is he's not been, he's yeah. not been aware this week. Yeah. So mm. he can't... I think he, I think when he's off work, a lot of journalists and stuff, they'll just work on Twitter. I think they'll just... It's not it. just that. I think because you know I mean? the article <laughs> came out in the whole Daily Mail... The whole article came out in the whole Daily Mail suggesting back in the team... Saturday, but I have a feeling it was something that was written before he went away and before he found out he was injured. Yeah, true. Because yeah. obviously, sometimes when players sign, um, what they'll do is they'll, they'll prep the article in advance. So, yeah. what he's done there is he's to save time. He knew that he was actually signing, he's got the, the go ahead to create the article, and then um, he's either forgot to edit out or it's gone out without his, you know, without him overseeing what's been put. So, I think it's one of them where like. Bit of lost, where it's lost in translation, I think. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Someone reckons they've seen that it's an ingrowing toenail. Nasty. I've just recovered from one of them. Yeesh. Absolute nightmare. I do 14 hour shifts and walking on one of them is painful, I'll tell you. Um, he, well, I mean, he, he looks like a, a very promising player and hopefully he can be added to the squad. And it's not too serious an injury. I don't think we'd have signed him if it's a serious injury. Um, I mean, he's growing toenail. I imagine that's not going to be a long term thing. It'll be a couple, couple of weeks, few, two, three weeks, maybe month. A discussion from one of my friend group here, um, Harvey's just commented is the pre-match atmosphere. 
basically we said that it's not good enough um, that it needs to be improved My, Harvey's tweeted that Paul Wood, Woodford saying it needs to be improved and that the music before the game doesn't really get you going and stuff like you know back in the day we used to play some you know good tunes and stuff and I thought the atmosphere it got you building but now it's a bit bit naff I think you know I don't, you don't really get that excitement before the game with the music that's being played I think it can be improved and it's got a good point I mean but I think I mean, that Paul Woodford's not willing to change things so it's one of them I mean, to be honest, I don't get into the ground until right before kickoff anyway. So yeah, for so me, if, it I only get in this season. I've got in like five minutes before, but Harvey's one of them, like, getting an hour before. Do you know what I mean? So he's, he's there listening to the music yeah. and that. I mean, I think the, uh, uh, the there's always been that divisive topic, isn't it? You know, like we all love wise men saying, and, and the fact that we, you know, we sing it at games and stuff, it's amazing. But I, I don't like the fact that it's not sort of original to us. Like three or four yeah. of a could yeah, use it. Me and Rich from Tigers Blair had this conversation on Twitter not long ago about it. Um and I think we both agreed that we should probably it should be House Martins. But we've tried it, it in should. the past, haven't we? I don't get why it doesn't work, because it makes more sense. And Does it, it need to be like a sped up version of the song, or would you keep it as the original one? Because I know that we've tried the yeah. original before and I it didn't really. I don't catch know on. if you need to have a sing along. I think you just need to have songs that pump up the atmosphere. Yeah, you do, man. Get yeah, pump it end all on before the game, stuff like that, and uh, you for strings. You know what I mean? You need sort of this sort of music, this feel good music. You, you go to other grounds and stuff need, like that. You don't need a sing along. That's why I think it's something like going to the house, but it's sort of like happy hour. I think would work. Yeah, just, just more upbeat, yeah. sort of tempo, anticipating music kind of thing. Yeah, that's what you want. I think uh, years ago, six, seven years ago, you'd, you'd have the Tigers, Tigers, burning bright, you know, and the, the sort you'd of have, yeah, the graphics like, would come chem- on the screen. It'd be like Chemical Brothers followed yeah. by that. And it's, it's a it gets thing. you going, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what you want. But I think the club has to realise that the fans, the fans ultimately are the ones that should have the biggest say. Uh, because they're think, the ones that are experiencing it. The, but, I think they do. Know. It's just, it's obviously yeah. it's a process over yeah, time. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something we can all obviously uh, try and reach out to various different groups or people to try and, you know, maybe get something, yeah, some yeah. form of communication going where we can say, look, the fans would prefer this to happen in games and see if you can get it to happen. Because at the end of the day, if the SMC um don't want to do it and there needs to be a valid reason to it rather than just, you know like just laziness kind of thing if if the fans yeah. want better atmosphere at match days you want more fans in the ground that's the way to do it isn't it um i think the atmosphere questions. to be fair i do think for maybe younger fans the atmosphere is probably the pre-match stuff's aimed right that's the problem it's mostly aimed at younger fans which i've got no problem with because we should be focusing on younger fans but i don't think there's as much for everyone hmm yeah, it's it struggle. It, it, that's what they would probably say. It's, to it. it's, struggle. it's a struggle to to accommodate the varying age ranges in the stadium, is what they'll say. But the people who have been the older generation will have experienced what we what we had before, so we'll obviously have been fans of it. The younger generation, all around around all our age, would obviously think the same, and then the kids would grow up with it too. So it, it's just like a almost a legacy thing. Go back to how it was, kind of thing. Similar, yeah. try and get that that atmosphere building before kickoff, and then the fan, the North Stand, East Stand together will probably be at the at the lads straight away at kickoff. Um, opinions on the anti-social behaviour surrounding the club at the moment. Um, it's. Do you think it's been? I think they've been over the top with certain things like the Bristol City game, that statement that they brought out. I thought it, that was ridiculous. I think 
because yeah. one Bristol fan threw something and then they, they were going at the fans. I think that could deter people from coming to the ground if they think, oh, it's anti-social behavior. I think it's a load of nonsense, I, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's I mean. a bit of both because that Bristol one, I agree. And then, but then the last game against Norwich, where, where we were all stood at the top of M4, the amount of lads who had clearly just moved and just took up all the people's seats and didn't move. So there was about, there was like three people to every seat at the top of M4. And obviously it was well overcrowded. And then when we scored, it went well. It, you couldn't really celebrate because it, it was that full. And I think uh, that's, that's the that's that that. Yeah, yeah, but three people to every seat is a bit dodgy. I think it's it's one of them, innit? You've got to tell your expectations. Football is a totally different entity to most things. Like rugby, I think, so yeah, totally different. I mean, obviously... The, 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 there's there's a line like when fans are running onto pitch and, and assaulting players yeah that's yeah, bad yeah, that's, uh, yeah. bringing, bringing pyros in the stadium chucking them into the stands or onto the pitch yeah that's bad but if, if you're gonna try and, 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 and say that you know fans standing up chanting towards each other you know flicking V's like, that's normal football behaviour that's, that's, that's how it's always been yeah. that's how it always will be and trying to change that is only going to make things worse and make probably larger groups of fans try and act out in a worse way and to me they've they've got to have some sort of um approach to it now because i know that the clubs are under pressure from the efl it's the efl and the police the, yeah, the uh, fa as well i think the the pushing yeah, the, the pushing this campaign to stop antisocial behavior but i think if you look at recent seasons or even 10 15 years ago it's it's no worse than it's ever been there's always going to be yeah. antisocial behavior in football and you're never going to stamp it out it's the same with unfortunately racism as well that's something you're never going to stamp out. There's always going to be a couple of idiots that are racist in the ground. They're ruined the entire thing, yeah. So, like, in terms of stamping it out, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible. You've just got to sort of, you know, it's go with it. I, I think guess. the I systems mean, they've got in place work for things like that as well. People who have, d- have done anything racist in the stand are usually identified and banned anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's obviously it happens. And when, they're, when they're homophobic, when they're misogynist, it, it's the same as that. It, it's, it's got better, but there's always still the idiots. Yeah, the thing is, I'd, I know someone that's been banned for just like going over the netting against Sheffield United and then know someone that's banned for just throwing like toilet roll or something. It's like, I don't know, it's stupid sort of... the. the the stadium management company are quite strict when it comes to stuff like that. It's a bit it's ridiculous, at least, really. It's at least it isn't, it isn't like it was at Burnley recently yeah. where they banned a couple yeah, of fans standing. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the sort of... It's ridiculous. Well, it's, how it's many of... I wonder how many fans in that north stand will be banned for standing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There'll be four fans yeah. in it. I just think clubs are a, a, a sort of... Over it, I don't know what they've been threatened with by the FA or whatever governing body's pushing it. That you know they've got to try and get a, a, a control of whatever's going on. When realistically, there's not much going on anyway. But the clubs seem to be overreacting and trying to go overboard. And I do, I do think Cumberside Police, their track record isn't great either. I think they've always, oh, yeah. they've never been great with City. Yeah, they're awful. Yeah, I mean, you never, you're never going to change football. Um, sort of tradition, um, typical behavior. That's football is as it is, and it always will be. And and you know that's why you have like your more atmospheric stands that are together because you can you can focus more of your police energy onto that stand than you would the south. 
But just because they're an atmospheric stand also doesn't mean that they're going to be badly behaved. You're always going to get one or two. You probably get one or two in the West. I mean, you know, if they get mad and they chuck a bottle of champagne on pitch, you've got to be careful, <laughs> aren't you? But you're going to get one or two at every single game, aren't you, that, that are going to be a bit daft and go overboard. But considering from what I've seen and the statement that came out after Bristol City and things like that, it is massively, massively blown out of proportion because I don't actually think I've seen anything at the minute that, that you know, has, could be determined really, really bad behaviour that, that would be newsworthy, really. But I am looking forward to Sheffield United at the start of next yeah, month. Because yeah, that'll be, be an interesting... West Up are up and right now, aren't they, as well? It's like... Yeah, for Sheffield United, well, yeah. I'd, I don't see us selling that many up there, to be fair. I don't, I but think I'm thinking, I'm thinking about I mean. the away end will be full. So I'm wondering what it'll be like yeah. on either side of the away end. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, we'll let's see if they're as, as strict as they are with the away tickets as they was with Forrest. Um and, and 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 try and identify any United fans and and, and get them out. Not have uh, the whole lead saga where we were battered four 0 and and the fans were just basically ejected from our stand and put into the away. Yeah, and they got away. With it. That's, I think way. sometimes yeah. like we've been ex- escorted to our own ground before as so, well. Like when you go away, I went to Huddersfield away last season and we got ex- escorted, played the horses out. Yeah, that, that was that from. That all stemmed from that game back in Bruce's first season where they essentially didn't let you you essentially you were at the ground as soon as you got so you got to, you got to the you could only go to the game on the coach. As soon as you got off the coach, you was escorted to the ground and it was the same back. And there was a massive furore about it, I remember at the time. Yeah. Was that when George Boyd scored? It? <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the West Yorkshire Police saga, that was horrible. Yes. Yeah, because they basically identified, they said that there was a lot of the long standing history of violence between the two clubs when. Well, there never has been, I ever. I don't think there was, no. <laughs> I, I, I certainly don't remember any in the, the League One games that we played in the past. Um, I mean, we, we got battered at their ground, so I don't think we were probably in the mood. Um, so uh, I don't think we've got any other questions at the minute. Uh, maybe a complaint about the Tannoy system, but it's been poor since he installed that. It's been garbage. <laughs> Awful. When they when they used to try and do concerts there, it was terrible as well. The sound quality. On I don't think spirit. I've heard the team news once in the <laughs> ground or when yeah, someone scored. Complaining, complaining or... You can never no, hear what he's saying ever. It's what it is. It is one of the worst Tannoy systems in the country. I think that stadium. The thing is, my dad relies on like hearing the team news because he'll he'll get there quite early and they'll go into the ground. He doesn't have a he doesn't have social media or anything like that. He doesn't have internet on his phone or anything. So like he'll just. He can't hear the team use properly, so he gets pissed off. He starts gets pissed off at me, like, what am I meant to do? I don't know, I'm not controlling it, do you know what I mean? But get it's on like, the, get it on doesn't the change it. Paul Woodford needs to sort it. Sort it out, Tom. I mean, we've had him on the pod, though. We'll be, see, oh, yeah. see if he can come back on, yeah. Um, right, we'll look forward to the Coventry game then, because obviously they're next up on Saturday. Um, they've not actually played much football this season, only the two games, because of their infamous... Home pitch problems. Um, I think there's something to do with is it rugby sevens or something? Combination of the Commonwealth that? Games and the rugby wasps. Yeah. So they, yes. they can't actually play their home games. And so I think I've, this this past weekend they actually did re start fixing the pitch. So I think their next home game they're actually gonna be at home. Hmm. Yeah, I it's a tough one to predict though, I think, this situation, because they've not played Obviously, the only playing two games mean they've played a lot less football than us. But is that is that a hindrance, or would it go in their favour? I think that sharpness, I think, could play a part. You'd have to say, 
it's one of them games where like you look at City, you think, oh, the the bottom of the league, they play two games, you think, you know, City should roll these over, but we've had injuries and typical City, you lose this game, but hopefully, you know, get past that and, you know, we'll get a win, but it's one of them. Um, you know, if we had a fully fit squad, I'd be, I'd be very confident we'd get a result, um, or we'd get a win. But it's that, that doubt that sort of creeps into your mind when, you know, teams play two games, um, they could come here and just like, you know, just, you know, turn up, do you know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. They might be fit physically, but they've got no match sharpness in comparison. Yeah. It's like, we, both of them are, they have their advantages, but they obviously have their negatives as well. Um, yeah. It's so that, the injuries have really made it really awkward to try and predict anything. So I'm, I'm expecting no, someone to get injured tomorrow on the training ground. Of, yeah, but is the training ground getting an, an unnecessary <laughs> amount of hit? Because I don't, yes, of course it is. Yeah, because the injuries have happened anything. during matches. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, and Salah yeah. won't even out the club when he got injured. The thing is, it's not the training ground. It's not the best training ground. No, it's not the best. The pitches, the, the training ground's fine. The pitches at the training ground are fine. What everyone thinks about, I think it's not good, it's because it's small and it's the facilities outside of the pitches that are probably lower than a championship club would normally have. The actual pitches are fine. Yeah, yeah. so I, I wouldn't blame it on the training ground. To be fair. I wouldn't. It might, it might have affected some people, but... I don't think it's not a, an issue that people are trying to make out. Yeah, it is. Well, three three of our players have joined the club and they'd already been injured, so it's one of them. Yeah. So, so uh, Coventry's yeah Coventry's last two games was a one-one draw against Sunderland, and then they lost three-two against Millwall, despite being two-nil up. Um, yeah. George Lehman scored in that game as well, but they they. From from watching um, the preview episode last night, Nathaniel and uh, Mark from the Sky Blues TV. Uh, podcast. They, he was saying that they were in con- they were in, in control of that Coventry game, and 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 you know it, it was just a a case of once once Hamer got sent off in the sixty seventh minute, and it were two two. The the backs were up against it, but they were very wasteful. They missed a lot of opportunities, and they probably should have had more from the Sunderland game too, kind of thing. Yeah, so it sounds like they've just been a bit yeah. wasteful. And uh, it, 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 I mean, they've got a lot of, of threat in their side. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of of players who who may not be there at the end of the transfer window, you know, Calum O'Hare and Victor Jokeres, players like that. But yeah. they were they were playoff contenders last season. Um and obviously they beat us at home last season, but when we beat them 2-0 away, kind of ending that little bit of run for the top six, I think. But they've got a team that's capable of being up there. Um so they're definitely a threat. Um would we take a, a draw from this game? Always would take a draw, but I would yeah. rather being a home win. Yeah, that's Michael Owen there. That's <laughs> nah, but um, to be fair, our home form this season, um, it's it's parallel to last season. I think away from home. I mean, yeah, away from home last season, we 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 played with more freedom. Whereas at home now, I think with the, the bumper crowd and yeah, since you know, since Shorter came in, the home yeah. forms really improved. Yeah, it sort of switched around. Um, but I think tomorrow, if a fast starts necessary, you know. After that five-two loss, we need to pick ourselves up. I think it'll be good to see how the players react. It's our first loss with you know quite a few new players in our team, and um, we need to see how uh, the players react. And I think it's important we get on the front foot early because obviously Coventry are a good side. You know, they've got some good attacking players, um, and they can cause us a threat. You know, I watched this game against Sunderland, and it was unfortunate not to sort of 
take that game away from Sunderland um, towards the end. I think they grew into it as the game went along. So I think um, we have to be mindful of that. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I, if I was going to predict anything, I'd say 1 0 to, uh, to City. I'd like a 1 0. Another clean sheet would be nice. Yeah. Another Estepinian goal as well would be good. Although yeah. I, I do want to see Tete get his first goal because yeah. I, I think his, his yeah. work is going to be underappreciated. I'll keep right. saying it every single week. Jacob Greaves goal, please. <laughs> Are you one yeah, of these that puts money on every week? Jim absolutely. How much you put on a father? Uh, not usually. I usually just put a couple of quid on because it's actually such high odds. It's You only have to put uh, a couple of quid like, on in your what, farm. What is it, 33 to 1? 40 to 1? Last week, right. it was 33 to 1 to score any yeah. time. So, to score first, it was like 65, 60. I think, to 1. Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah, I've, cause I know a few people do it. Someone that goes to Botanic, he puts 20 quid on. Oh, um, Jesus, ten of each way, I think it is or something. So if he scores first, he gets more money. I think or something, something ridiculous. Yeah, uh, my uncle's put. So one he's on lost a lot of money. Then is what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't hate Greaves. <laughs> Reacted yeah, badly to the contract signing. Well, um, we're playing Coventry. I'll I'll take Greaves having an absolute weldy off the line clearance. Yeah, well. just like you did last year. That was mad, that wasn't it? Um, so I don't think I think we're pretty restricted in terms of the team selection. Although um a certain Ryan Longman's back, uh is Siri in contention or is it t- no it's Smith? No, he's Smith probably gonna be next game. Smith and um, Longman back in contention. Smith and Longman are the two. Uh so do we keep the same team that first West Brom or are we well, adding Longman into well, the mix instead can't of keep the same team for a start because two fans not there. Well, Woods um, in for two fun, but I imagine it'd be Woods. Um, I'd be tempted to put Longman straight in. I know Nathaniel will be loving me saying that. Um, I'd be tempted to put him in for Williams. Hmm. Straight off the, did I thought Williams played quite well against West Brom? Or is it just because Longman offers a bit more of a goal threat? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Because obviously, um, I mean, to be fair, this adds on to Benedict's question. So obviously, we're, we're going to be missing two fans. Uh, it's where do we find that creativity? Where do we find that goal threat now? Um, you know, because the midfield three is likely going to be Slater, Woods and, and, and Jones. You're probably looking at... Woods will be the creative one out of the three. Woods, being a bit more advanced, maybe because uh, Slater's a bit more box to box, he? Although he can play a bit more offensively, Slater, I think he's definitely got that in his tank. Um, and then it's whether or not Williams keeps his place for Longman. Um, and I, I can't imagine Tyler Smith is getting in. Um, unless he'll he be on the bench, probably come on yeah. in the second half. Uh, unless he wants to go to a two up top, but then I imagine it'd be uh, Tete and um, Esther you can't drop Tete their, their partnerships. Sort of blossoming at the minute, yes. three assists and four goals. That's what you want. I think Tetas, you know, when you came in, you expected him to be an out and out striker, but I think he's shown that he can play out wide. I think that's where he's suited best, I think, in terms of. Yeah, it's been mentioned before, that's where he plays for Ghana. Yeah, but so Bully's, he's not, Bully's the fullback. He's, he's got one, yeah. six foot five, strong. I think he's got, he's quick as well. He's got, he he's, got yeah. he's got surprising pace for his size. Yeah, I think you've, you've got Oscar, who's got a very good movement, um, strong, gets into the box at all opportunities. So you've, you've always got that physical presence in there. But then you've got Tetter as well, out wide, you know, commits defenders. I think if you had Tetter up front, I think he could get phased up the game. But I think out wide, he's always got a chance to, 
get receive the ball and drive at defenders. So I think that suits him well. You know, so I'm glad he's settled in well. I think I think the worry is, isn't it, that we've not actually created that many chances in every game we've played this season, and then we've lost arguably our most creative player, and we're we're going to have to hope that Woods um, has a similar effect. You know, he might do. Um, well, I mean, again, against against West Brom, we did create a few chances still as well, and he has got it in his locker. He had it at Brentford, so it's not like out of the realms of possibility. Because because we're, I'm sure we're bottom of the league for shots on goal or something. So you know, we're, we're, as as well as we're doing, uh, we're not actually creating that many chances. We're just being very. Um, our conversion rate is obviously very high with the chances yeah. we do have. Um, you look at the teams we played as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Obviously, a bit more back to the wall against teams like Burnley, Norwich and uh, West Brom. Um, Preston away have shown, I think they've got a record, is it five clean sheets at the beginning of the season for the first time or something? Uh, they've One goal, yeah. but they've, no, they've conceded none, I think. I think they've, no, no, they've conceded zero. Conceded none, yeah. Ridiculous, that. Which is just so strange. I bet their fans are so excited watching that football. <laughs> Every game's no, so right. boring. Even Turley Pulis sounds like fucking Guardiola compared to that. No, you know, but that shows again that that's another hard team to break down because no one else has scored against them. So yeah, you know, maybe we're being a bit harsh on the on the shots thing, and maybe this is the game that it all comes together and we have you know fifteen odd shots. Maybe get a f- score five goals ourselves. Yet to see. Uh, so we'll move on to that then. So score predictions. Um, I said one one on the preview last night. I think um, I think everybody said a draw on the preview episode. Um, I'll come to you first, Tom. What do you think the score's yeah, going to be? I said one nil, mate. One nil, City. Oh yeah, one nil. Yeah. Well, Cole City, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm chairing 1-0 as well. Um, I'll go with Greaves, as I always do, because eventually it'll be correct. Ian thinks 2-2. Two, in two. about, in about 2029, he'll be correct when he's playing for uh, England. He'll score first then. 3-1. I'd like that. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, I don't think a draw would be the end of the world. I mean, I think we've got to be fairly realistic, haven't we, with the current situation of the squad and injuries and everything that we've got to kind of take what we can get at the minute until some players come back. And it sounds like Siri's not far from coming back. And like we said, we've got Longman coming back into the mix now so we can see what he adds into this yeah. um, into this system. Um, we've got uh, Tyler Smith. See, the thing is with Smith is, is, is I can see there's a player in there uh, but he's yeah. never going to get a run of games to show it, I don't think. Um, Unless he's injured. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was impressed with him against Bristol City. I thought he was, was. a bright, bright player. You know, in terms of pressing, that's what Shotter wants from you, yeah, pressing from the front. But in terms of if we're going to carry on playing the 4 3 3, um, or 4 2 3 1, what you want to call it, I mean, you know, Tyler Smith's not going to get in there, unfortunately, but it's good that we've got that option off the bench to come on. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's good. A seven nil. <laughs> oh, don't don't listen to him against them. You don't want to know what against their Burnley. He put us to win seven nil on a bet. <laughs> He's oh, such right. an idiot. Uh, That'd have been decent odds. Uh, um, it's ridiculous, like five thousand to one, isn't it? <laughs> I well, so all the comments are basically saying the same: wins or draw. Um, which means we'll lose. Which means we'll lose. Yeah, I mean they're they're capable of beating us. I just think maybe that the fact that they've played two games. Um, and does needing a reaction after the West Brom game. Uh, it will be interesting to see, like Tom said, how this set of players react after a setback like that. But to me, they would have looked back at the game. I imagine we shot her at training and said, you know, you created chances, you looked fairly decent. 
we lost our most creative player in the first half and we still look pretty good. So, you know, give yourselves more credit kind of thing. Go out there and prove, fight for some, you know, you injuries provide opportunities for players to get that first place nailed down, don't it? So, you know, yeah. Yeah. put yourselves out there, try and win a place so that, you know, the returning players can't really get in there. I don't know if the midfield is the same situation because I think Siri and Tufan probably contractually uh, will be playing yeah, whenever uh, they're available. The thing is, um, um, in terms of that winger spot, the Longman now coming back in, I think he has to replace Williams. In the since injuries, Williams had that opportunity. I think that he's not had previously to show what he can do, um, and I don't think he's done enough um, for me to, to prove that he's, you know, able to keep his spot. I think he played against Bradford in the cup. wasn't really, you know, he's he did all right, but I think the whole team wasn't very good that day. And then he's had chances after that. And I think Longman coming back in, he's someone that can, as we saw last season, offer protection to the fullbacks. I think he's an important player. In terms of what we have now, before Alia comes back, and then you know Longman will be someone that will come off the bench and stuff. So I think Longman is Longman's chance now to, if should he start, to prove that he's still able to get into this team. So I think you know last season we saw like flashes of brilliance. You know some of the goals he scored. You know the Bournemouth goal. Um, you know Everton in the cup. I think you know he's capable of producing that. It's just he didn't do it consistently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a great goal as well. Top corner. I think if you can sort of show them brilliant that you know piece of brilliance on a more regular basis, it'll be a good you know good asset to have in the team. I think I saw a quote. I think um, was it Adrian or Shot? I think said that they expect more to come from. Or was it Tan Kesler? I think said you know he's going to be an important player this season. So hopefully Tan's right about that. Well, yeah, because after the, after it was confirmed permanent from Learn, it kind of dropped off a bit. So hopefully yeah. he can re- recover that form. Everyone needs to learn. I'm excited to see what he can do in this in it with better players around him. Um because obviously we, we saw how good he can be. Um obviously when he was on loan last season and then um after the permanent transfer, like we say, his form kind of dropped off a cliff. But um he, we, we, he's he's still only young. Um he's very versatile. Yeah, he's twenty two, I think. Yeah, right. play yeah. anywhere amongst the front three. He's played in the wing back for us last season. He was fairly good at that as well. So he's gonna be proved to be a very useful squad player and He's yeah. a definite goal threat. And, you know, we, we struggled for, to score goals last season because we didn't create that many chances or have that many goal scorers. Um, but he showed, like you say, he's got an eye for a bit of a wonder goal. Um, so another sort of prong to the attack, in essence, because from yeah. what we've got, best opinion, you know, he's going to run in behind, ask questions, cause problems. And then you've got Longman who could maybe, you know, smash it into top bins from 25 yards. So it's, it's exciting because I want to kind of see that Longman that we saw on loan last season, I want to see him, you know, running at defenders, causing problems, getting the getting the ball to the byline, cutting inside, yeah. shooting. The thing uh, is, um, last season he played a lot on the right, um, and people think on seem to think on Tornado as well. Um, seems to think he's better on the left at cutting in. I think he's not someone that breaks down the wing. Gets he does get crossed into the box, but I ain't seen enough from him to show he's got that quality to deliver fresh the peanut. Um, but I think. Playing him on the left, no, I don't threat, think you I can. He's not going to dislodge Teta. That's the problem. That's so it. I think you can't. You can't move Teta from the left. You can, yeah, I think I'd like to see him start on the right on Saturday if he's you know ready to go again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the good thing is about Longman being on the right. If he if he's encouraged or he's been working on his crossing, it's it it's another thing that could be another source of goals because if he can get to the byline and cross balls in. You've got Teta, who's going to be at the far post, and yeah. you've got Oscar in the middle to pick up the pieces if it, you know, yeah. the ball bobbles around a bit. So we've we've got that aerial threat in the box now that 
well, multiple aerial threats. And if he can sort of work on the end product, similar to Aliar, because I think Aliar's yeah, very good, very good at running at defenders, but his end product is just lacking at the minute. And obviously, that's yeah. going to come with time. And because we've signed relatively very young players that have still got a lot of the game to learn, um, they were focused on one aspect, and now they've got to sort of broaden their skill set. And Longman's one of these players, I think, that's a bit of a maverick because he can be whatever kind of player he wants to be. If he wants to be a goal scorer and play through the middle, he, he probably won't be doing that here. But he looks very effective at coming in yeah. as a winger. And like you say, it'd be nice to maybe see him play off the left. But last season, he wasn't going to do that with KLP. And this season at the moment, he's not going to do that with Tete. So he's got to try and make the best of that right-hand side. And if that means he's going to cross the ball in, then that's got to be something he's got to work on. And, and if he does, yeah. it, it, that's another source of goals that we could get, which we didn't yeah. have last season. The thing is, uh, like um, last season, they didn't have much to aim for in the box. Uh, Tom Eaves, you know, he's, he's just a big lump. I think what Esther Pinan sort of gives you now is that he, he's good on on the floor. Um, you put balls into the box, he'll be in the right position. But he's also good with his head as well, as I've seen. Um, and I think he can prove that he is. I think if you can get all types of crosses the box with Tetra at the back post, like you said, I think you know it could be you know recipe for success. I think like going forward, but I think. You know, it's like I said there. It's Longman's chance now to sort of stake his place if he if he wants to, and I think you know he's got the certainly if he plays his best game. I think he's still got a lot, a lot of years ahead. I think if he can get to his you know, reach his potential, I think he's going to be a good player for the squad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it'd be an interesting one. Obviously, a win will definitely see us stay in the top six, um, and we'll 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 leave us all in a position of. Well, what what can this what's this squad capable yeah. of when when all our best players are back and these new signings come into mix? Because I keep saying to like um, any any of the other content creators or podcasters that are out there at the minute because they're saying about only how how many players were signing and whatnot. I'm like, oh, we're only going to sign two more or something. And then I come on to Twitter and we've got like another two or three names, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we're not done yet because <laughs> I think we've got what we've got Halil. Uh, De- Devish Shoglu, is it? Yeah, Devish or something like that. Nonsense. Pelkas, uh, potentially Christie, uh, Lavinia. Um... I think Christie's going to happen. It'll probably yeah, happen. I, I, think think tomorrow. I don't think we'll sign a Lavinia as well if we sign Christie. No, yeah. I think Christie's the one, though, in terms of right yeah. backs. Um, and I think that'll probably happen tomorrow. Hopefully. Get him, I think if, the sign, if he signs, what is it, before 3 pm tomorrow? As if long he, as he signed yeah. before, I think he's either 12 or 3. He might have already signed the papers down. The club's just waiting to announce it tomorrow at like dinner time. Well, something. yeah. yeah. I mean, and, Adama Traore is one of our players and we still haven't announced that. Yeah. Departures. Is there actually any players that, at the mm. moment, we couldn't really afford to let any more go? Yeah, we, that's the, thing. Only one, the only one I can think of is maybe Cannon. Yes, yeah, I was thinking that. And I think that'd be a loan deal just in case we have another injury thing so we can get him back. Yeah. Cannon, um, and maybe, maybe, maybe Kerrville as well. I want to learn yeah, the What about Randall Williams? Would you keep him in as a useful squad player? I'd keep him in as backup for Jevin now. Mills as well. I think that's centre back. Yeah, I think a lot of the younger players yeah. definitely yeah. could maybe go out. But in terms of maybe actual first teamers, I, I can't see any more going out really. I think Wilkes yeah. will be the last one of ones that have played Cannon yeah. and maybe Kerrville. Yeah, yeah. Depends who we signed, isn't it? I mean, this Pelkas deal seems to be going on for ages. Not as long as the Adama Traore deal, which is that's already confusing... happened. I don't know. It's already happened because <laughs> yeah, they've just not announced it, have they? Um, I don't know why, about... what they're doing, but 
Apparently, he's got a rumor, an injury that's got him out till um, at least the end of December. So they may be thinking that they're not going to announce him until January when he's actually fit to play. Because if they announce him, that now, was my thought. Because they didn't have, they didn't need to register him until January, so they probably wait until they need to register him and then announcing yeah, what, it. What is it? Twenty five players registered or something? Something, something like that. Five, one end, but yeah, so yeah. It's saving the squad players in it. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what happens with that one because. Again, he joins a, a packed midfield if he signs. But if he doesn't sign, we've kind of <laughs> it's just been he's been training with yeah. us for God knows how long. Yeah, I think he has signed. He's just not been registered and they've just not announced it. I don't I don't think we're actually anywhere near the FFP thing. I think that was just all big I think communication wise, if we're referring to the talk sport thing, I just think they kind of tried to trap him, didn't they? Um tried to take advantage of Adjun's maybe limited English in the sense I know Simon Jordan definitely tried to try to get some of his big words out didn't he to try and catch Adjun out Simon Jordan that's, that's not a I think that's just to me does for everyone yeah. yeah but I think I think we're still within I don't well from what the club have been saying anyway that, we must that be because it's over right. a three year period and we've not spent any money in yeah. the past two yeah. years. You've got to think about the wage bill last season. We were the second lowest in the league as well. So yeah. that gave us a huge amount of room to, you know, maybe put some more bigger contracts on. And we're probably now only mid-table for wage budget or somewhere near that lower half mid-table kind of thing. Because um, I can imagine Siri and Tufan are probably on big wages. Greaves has probably got a nice big wage hike. Um, but other than that, the others will probably be average championship wage, I'd imagine. So they won't be too bad. Yeah. Um, we've sold KLP. Um, for 16 mil initially, and then he's got add-ons as well. So, um, I I, I don't think we're we we to worry about FFP at all. I think we're okay, and I think yeah. if we we were anywhere near FFP, we definitely wouldn't be looking at signing another four players. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I think that exactly. would be... is the birdie. I don't think from what I've seen, what he he speaks like is he knows what he's on about, which he does. Yeah, he's impressed like, me yeah, massively. Yeah. Maybe he's he's impressed me. Maybe as much as Adrian actually. Yeah. In terms of what he said, I might yeah, try. I think it, I like it. We still got Darren at the club. Like he's sort of the one that's got the knowledge of the, the you know, the English leagues. I think, and that's know, it. I think they've kept and him then, round so they have someone in the club and then who got, knows yeah, local. Tan and you know his, his team that he's brought in that more about you know the Turkish league, Portuguese, you know the the wider foreign leagues. So I think it's where we didn't have that before. We was making a lot of signings from like Scottish league and League One and stuff like that. Now we change change of ownership. Now we've got more of like a change direction of recruitment and it's working. You know what I mean? It's interesting as well because Lee Danborough actually got quite a lot of stick for the signings we were making when realistically it's probably the only signings he could have made. And yeah, the budget had like, list. Yeah. last season for, was under what? Couldn't even make any signings really, could we? For a couple of seasons there, I was starting to think he wasn't even a real person and he was just made up by the Alums. <laughs> He might, he might still not be. He might just be a, a phantom name that's been dotted around by Adjun and they've never actually Some football him. manager region or something. Else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, right, so I think that's pretty much covered everything, uh, unless any viewers or any of you guys have got anything left to say. Um, before we finish up, obviously, um, I'll mention the FCAs again. Um, it's, it's our first proper year of pushing for it, so um, everybody who has voted for... Um, thank you and continue to, to share it about if you can i've i've been getting my lead supporting mates at work to vote for us so um yeah y- y- it is possible you can convince them um i had to buy him cans of monsters and stuff but you know uh, um it's, I, voted it's, for the, I voted for the boothry park podcast uh, well true um no, I'm, just not, <laughs> I'm just not voting for my own podcast it's right 
no, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You, you take the moral high ground, Will. That's fine. Nah, come on. Um, Need all the best <laughs> thing, get you know what I mean? Um, but I think you can vote um, on Instagram, you can vote on Twitter, or you can vote through the actual website. Um, you just keep an eye on our social media channels if you're not entirely sure what to do. Um, the, the link is on the link tree to just go straight to the website. Just type to Hull and back in the um, box that says best podcast football league, and then just press vote and you're done. Um, that's absolutely all you have to do, or you just tweet saying, um, I'm voting for Taggers for best podcast at tag the FCAs and I think that's it for Twitter yeah. but I, I will tweet just copy, out and just copy and paste the tweet don't you what yeah just copy out. and paste for people we have retweeted anybody that's done it um, yeah. Uh, so yeah anyone so FCAs please vote for us thank you if you have done um, thanks to the sponsors Pearson's and Six Yards Out so head to their websites on the link tree as well and um, a, th- a quick thing to mention to so the podcast shirts that we did um, there is actually a raffle going on at the minute where 100% of the money raised goes straight to Andy's Man Club. Uh, we're doing it on the Amber Circle group on Facebook. So if you're not part of it, you won't be able to enter the raffle. So you need to join the group to be in it. Uh, the rules are it's um, because the donation site is £10 minimum. So each slot for the um, raffle is £10. You can have a maximum of three slots. Obviously, you don't have too many. Um, so you can have up to 30 quid's worth of slots. Um, you have to post evidence of you donating it to Andy's Man Club in the comments. Then pick your numbers, and then when all the slots are filled, we'll draw for the winner. We're doing one for the home, one for away. Hopefully raise about £400 for charity. So um, if you want a share for maybe a tenner, see if you're lucky enough to win it, get on down to the Amber Circle and join in on that one. Um, and I think that's it for for us today. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, today, Will and Tom. It was nice having you on. It was nice not having to no, deal with them or... rants from Nathaniel today. It was a nice break. This had been about three hours. And Joel, the, the usual ghost in the background. But cheers to everyone who's viewing. Uh, cheers to everyone. who's Please like and subscribe as well. Um, the audio will be out either tonight or tomorrow morning. One of the two. Just keep your eyes out on social media. We'll release it. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we will um, see you next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.